Why didn't you give up in September? I mean, you had no client and you're wasting your time. You're spending every day and you don't have a single client. Why didn't you give up in September? That's not an option for me, giving up. When I want something and I know it can be done, if somebody else has done it, I can do it. It was just a matter of time when the first client landed. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Selling with Love podcast. And I'm so excited about today's episode because I'm bringing someone that I had a chance to work with in a client business relationship, a good friend of mine, and has been doing wonderful when it comes to using a certain tool that some of you might have heard of, but is evolving, has been in the position of an agency, has worked with building courses. And quite frankly, I'm just amazed with her story of growth over the years. And I know this is going to be a juicy conversation, not only filled with gems of entrepreneurship, but also about investigating this tool, which is chatbots, using DMs, lead acquisition strategies, and so much more. So if you're coming to this podcast for the first time, you're going to notice that this episode is going to be a little different than most because we're going to dive into marketing, digital marketing, a little bit of sales, and entrepreneurship. So you'll see we'll be touching a few different topics, but I know the conversation is going to be juicy and you're going to take away a lot of value. And the guest that I have for you today, Lisiana Carter. Now she's been building her business since 2016 around chatbots, helping clients really get a ton of leads, a ton of sales using a new medium. And as the chance that I had working with Teal Swan over the years, she's actually been working with that client. That's how we got introduced. And I was so amazed with the results we got with this system that we started getting closer. We started making more campaigns and her journey herself by using the tools that she helps clients with has helped her propel her business into 10xing the revenues from a month-to-month basis. So I'm excited to dive in. I hope you are too because you'll pull away some nuggets that you'll be able to apply in your business as well. Liz, welcome to the show. Jason, thank you. Excited to be here. I'm very excited because we worked together, you know, in the last six months. And you're kind of known for this chatbot space. And I'm kind of curious to understand the origins of that because I remember chatbots when they first came out and I hated them. Like, I think anybody who's interacted with a chatbot was like, oh my God, like I want to just speak to a human, but you had a very different twist to it and you found a lot of success with it. So I'd be curious to go back to the beginning. When I started, they were bad. I was bad at building chatbots as well. It's just been a journey long learning curve of experimenting, testing new ideas, even now, even today. My team constantly tests. I have one dedicated team member to innovation, to trying out new stuff, bringing in new ideas. So we're literally nonstop experimenting. But the first time that I started building chatbots was in 2016, and I started doing it for more my online fitness business. I built chatbots on ManyChat, and I was running messenger ads to get clients for my online course at that time. And then I was also using chatbots to coach my clients through the bot because it was fun. You could do a lot more than you can now. Um, The policies were different. You could send free push. Meta tried a few different approaches to that free push notification that you could send to subscribers because a lot of businesses abused it. And now they landed on a, a version that prioritizes the user. 
where the user can give you their permission to join your DM list. And then you can broadcast to them, blast them, just like you would with email list or with SMS, but it's free. And it's on Instagram and it's on Facebook Messenger. I think they will make this a paid service in the future. But for now, we've been taking massive advantage of it. And I know you've, you've just done this for Teal Swan as well, of this DM list that almost nobody does. And, you know, when you're the first one to do it, you reap the rewards. Hmm. Well, I'd want to maybe take a step back as well and just understand the why behind we're even talking about this. So, you know, we're talking about a way to directly send a message to people through this tool. But why is this even something we're concerned about? Like, what are we seeing in the industry that made us start thinking about new mediums in the first place? So think about somebody landing on your website or having a look at your brand or your product, whether you have something to sell or not. They have questions. They want to get to know you, whether you're just a personal brand putting out content or you're a business selling something. People want to get to know you, want to learn about your products, want to learn about what your products can do for them. And so, so far, the way that we've approached this is by give me your email address and I'll send you a 20% off or <laughs> give me your phone number and I'll add you to my VIP list. However, things are changing and people want to feel connected to the brands that they follow, that they buy from. And in this way, we've been able to connect brands to consumers on a personal level. When you start a conversation with somebody in the DMs, you have a direct line of communication to them. You can learn about them. You can educate them. Even if you do it manually, like the majority of brands do it manually. They get a lot of DMs and they just interact with these people in the DMs. And then the thing is that once you have them in the DMs and you want to follow up on them, it's just a matter of either following up manually or if you have a chatbot and you have a structure behind it, the chatbot can follow up for you. And so it's a more personal way of approaching even selling. So we have clients who don't necessarily want to lead with selling, they want to lead with education or entertainment. But at the point where the selling part comes in, it is so much easier to sell when you've already provided value upfront. Maybe they've engaged with you inside of a challenge or a contest, or they've taken a quiz and it was fun. So they've created a connection to the brand. And now it's so much easier to sell when you've led with value. Hmm. Well, you're talking about leading with value. You're talking about educating. And of course, the sales comes after you've earned the right and the trust. But you actually led with talking about the, the history of abuse. And if I've noticed anything in uh, new channels of communications is everything's great until marketers get involved and then it becomes over abused. And so I'd be curious to know, you know, when you witness people discovering this new method of communication and its effectiveness, what are some of the big red flags you're seeing in the way that people are using this that we should be concerned about if we're going to be jumping on this medium? I think it's a matter of gaining trust and maintaining because even with the way that we have now the ability to build DM list and broadcast to them, it is important to keep your word. So, and it's also Facebook, it needs to be Facebook appliance. So Facebook Meta was very careful when they 
wrote the policies for this new way of communication. So ever since 2016, there's always been a policy in place where you cannot DM somebody with a chatbot outside of a 24-hour window since their last interaction. And that protected consumers. Now, with this new way now where you can build DM lists and broadcast to people, there's also policies in place to protect the consumer. That means when you request their permission to join your DM list, you have to tell them why they're joining. So are they joining to get flash sales notifications? Are they joining to to learn to be the first to know when you drop new products? Are they joining to be announced of new giveaways? If you get them on your DM list and you tell them, hey, I'm going to let you know next time you run the giveaway and then you broadcast to them, I have a flash sale today, you run the risk of your page being restricted. So this is something to keep in mind. I don't think everybody knows this. I mean, if you don't read Facebook's policies, Meta's policies, you won't know. And over the years, so I've started doing this. I was doing in 2019, 2020, Meta blocked pages. And they actually took it a little bit too far at some point where they were blocking pages that hadn't done anything. But it was just a way of them rolling out this new policy where you get people on your DM list. And at that time, the DM list had a different format. You get people on the DM list and you tell them why specifically they're joining. What are they going to get from you? So they can get a newsletter. If they opt in to get a newsletter, you can't broadcast to them about a new product drop because... It goes against what they opted in to hear from you. Maybe you have multiple DM lists. One is a newsletter, one are promotions and flash sales. But they've been fully aware of the risk that they take because DMs are very personal channels. Everybody, you get a text, you get an email, you might ignore. You get a DM on Instagram, you will read it. And so for everyone aiming to do this on Messenger, it's been available to the public for about over one year. On Instagram, it's been in closed beta. It's still in closed beta. They are now gradually rolling this out. So it's important for everyone who's looking at using this type of DM lists to connect and promote their business in any way to be aware of the policies and to do it the right way. Those terms and conditions are important, especially if you're going to be somebody doing business with a tool that is right now, as you said, maybe for a limited time, free, but the value that it can translate to because, you know, having a direct contact, we talk about email being kind of the key asset for any online business, having access to a DM and a way to get attention in a channel that's not overused already has to come with some pretty tight guidelines so that you're not abusing it. And if you do, I think they're going to be pretty quick at slapping the advertisers who are going to be ready to abuse it. Like I could imagine just anybody getting access to this, like, you know, candy store, just going in and trying to gorge on every candy they can find. I'll get a stomach ache. And I feel like this is what Facebook definitely wants to prevent because at the end of the day, their users' experience is one of the most important things to keep them on the platform and to be able to continuously advertise to them. So you've kind of found this as this kind of goldmine that most people haven't been really talking about. And I'd be curious to know, with the buzz being all around AI, has that taken away attention from what is possible with the chatbots? And is this something that works alongside? Like, how has AI changed the conversation around this? Not much, surprisingly. There's still an AI component here that fits into more so the customer service side of an Instagram chatbot or a Facebook messenger. 
where most of the experiences are planned. It's a predetermined path that we take these users, even if they start the conversation from an ad or organically from a post or anywhere else. It's usually a predetermined path that we take the users through. AI steps into place where people have questions and we usually use a client's frequently asked questions, their database, to train is ChatGPT, but via via Instagram, to train it around those questions. And if they have a lot of content or frequently asked questions, it works better. I guess the challenge was for us to make sure that the AI does not fire outside of context. And so we've done that. And whenever somebody comes in and asks a question, does not follow the exact path that we've set for them, then the AI either will kick in or if it doesn't understand the question, it will immediately notify a human to step in and handle it. Yeah, I remember in the process of rolling this out, and I think this would be important for anybody who's maybe considering this medium, you spoke about the appropriate staffing necessary for people to be able to have a human connection with anybody who's going through this process. And it's not like customer support is being completely replaced right now. We're talking about having them play new roles that are a lot more dynamic, responsive, and instant, right? So we're talking not about answering tickets on an email, but you're talking about having them on standby for real conversations that are kind of dropping outside of these predetermined paths. Are you seeing people like having more interest in the chatbots because AI is here? Or is this like, how did you end up having access to this information? Yet I'm not hearing everybody screaming on the top of their lungs about it. I don't think so. Even with the customer support team workload, if we look at it, we have AI and we have automation, but we have all the other ways of pushing more people to have conversations in the DMs. And so to give you an example, we've had a client and I, you know, I think Teal Swan gets a lot more. I can't remember off the top of my head how many DMs per day, but an analysis on one of our previous clients about six months ago. Before they implemented our chat system, they were getting 50 DMs per day to their Instagram and Facebook organically. And it was all handled by a customer support team. Now, after they deployed our chat system and we started pushing more traffic through stories, ads, even from the website, they started getting about 800 DMs per day. But 97 percent of those were handled by the bot. So ultimately, the customer support team was handling the same volume, more or less, but they were getting more than 10 times the volume of DMs that we were converting in leads and sales. Not a bad thing to handle as a problem, slash not a problem at all. So this is really exciting. And I know this is a bit of a, a window of opportunity. You've, you've talked about uh, many chat. I think this is one of the technology platforms for those who aren't familiar. Is this just one of the tools that are available for people to use? And when it comes to implementing this, are there others that we should be considering as well? Or is this native to Facebook as well? I've tested a few different ones over the years. I've landed back on ManyChat because they have the most functionality. And at the same time, we as an agency, we build a mini SaaS on top of ManyChat. ManyChat doesn't have a tracking system, although it's the most complex and has the most functionality. You cannot track revenue. We go a lot deeper into tracking user behavior, how people buy, when they buy, what makes them buy, what conversation of the many follow-ups the chatbot starts. 
which one makes them actually purchase. And so we optimize based on that. ManyChat is the most, is the best at this point. At the same time, ManyChat has a good relationship with Meta, which actually brought us into all of the beta programs so far with all of our clients. So I would say anybody who wants to try this, ManyChat has a free version, but the paid version is $15 per month. So it's not a big deal. I feel like I need to reach out to ManyChat and put up a plug there, see if I can have an affiliate code and generate some revenue out of promoting them on this podcast. <laughs> Sponsored by ManyChat. Listen, I, I use them. I, I'd say it's it's good. I don't have anything against them. I see a couple bugs when it comes to the way that I handle the DMs, but I think the functionality is something I haven't seen anywhere else. So it's definitely something to consider and something to look into. Now, when you started this, like, how did you first start using this? Like, did you already have a client or did you started putting this in your own business? What was the first ways that you've implemented this? In 2020, it was just me building chatbots. And I had the idea of I'm going to start an agency and I'm going to build chatbots. <laughs> and I just started reaching out to CEOs on LinkedIn. All I did all day, I was sending cold DMs on LinkedIn and emails. And I think I did that for about four to six months until somebody said yes to what I was saying. And I told them, look, if you don't like what I do, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee, I'll give you your money back. (laughs) And that was my first client. Okay, can I just emphasize this because god i so when i worked with clients like on a consumer level because i used to have like my own membership and had these accelerator programs and this is one of the things i would suggest them to do there's many ways to get your first clients but one of them is you go to linkedin get very very specific have something of value to offer and it's a game of numbers and i would suggest like okay have at least like 10 connections Uh, i would even tell them add a note so there's context and most people gave up pretty quick And actually, no, I'll tell you what, most people didn't take a single step. The next largest group would give up really quick. A couple really started, you know, passing that first three to six month slog period and then started building momentum. How did you decide on that as a platform? And take me to the feeling that you were going through maybe on month one of doing this and having zero person become your client at that time. It was an intense feeling because I started doing this during COVID, during lockdown. I had quit my Microsoft job about seven or eight months before, and I was living on savings. As a side note, the Microsoft job I got by sending 600 LinkedIn messages to Microsoft partners across Australia and telling them, I will work for free, give me a chance. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> but I started doing this. <laughs> I started during COVID, so it would have been April, May. And that's all I did all day. And my savings were close to zero at that time. And I was locked in. I had nothing better to do. I was doing this all day, every day. So it was May, June, July, August, September, October is when I landed my first client. And then from there, that client knew somebody else I was reaching out to. And this guy saw that I was working with the other guy and messaged him like, oh, she's amazing. And then from there, it just snowballed. 
If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes, well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. Okay, so I'm going to kind of twist the knife here, but this is really important for people listening. And I was going to ask, on month like September, why didn't you give up in September? I mean, you had no client and you're wasting your time. You're spending every day and you don't have a single client. Why didn't you give up in September? That's not an option for me giving up. When I want something and I know it can be done, if somebody else has done it, I can do it. It's just a matter of time. So I wasn't going to give up. It was just a matter of time when the first client landed. You need to have that sort of resilience. You need to have this kind of attitude. And at the same time, like you, it could have been a different scenario. It could have been you're reaching out to all of these people but maybe your offer isn't so clear. Maybe the value that they would get is not so defined. So what do you think are some of the elements you had in place, aside from your sheer determination, that made you still be confident saying, like, this is going to work and it's just a question of time, as opposed to maybe I'm doing the wrong thing? So during the time that I was outreaching, I offered to work for free for some of the agencies in the ManyChat community. I had nothing better to do. I knew how to use ManyChat on an intermediate level. I wasn't advanced at it. So I went in and I started working for them for free. And in about two months, I was running the show. So I was coming up with ideas. I had all of the strategies. They were like... <laughs> so after two months, I knew that if somebody gave me a chance, I knew exactly what I was going to do to launch it. And it was funny because it was the perfect moment. Black Friday was just around the corner. This brand, Obvi, I don't know if you've heard of Obvi, if you know Obvi. They were my very first clients. Oh, wait, Bobby, is that the, you're talking about makeup? Obvi, O-B-V-I. Obvi, they sell collagen supplements. It's a very pink and bright brand. These guys are amazing. They took it from zero to 30 million in a few years. Maybe I should be aware of it, but I don't think I've personally <laughs> looked it up yet. <laughs> yeah. No. So they were my first clients. And my first client was my client for 18 months after that. I built everything that I could think of for them. They told me, Liz, if whatever you're doing makes us money, brings us leads, or gives our clients better experiences, go and do it. <laughs> nice. So... I wanted to highlight that part because, again, for 
so many people that are just at the early stages. And I know for a lot of listeners, you might be just getting started in business and maybe you're figuring out your product market fit. Uh, but I, I love the fact that I could extract this from you, Liz, is that, you know, for one is you had the mindset that you were like, I've seen people have success there, so there's no reasons I can't have success. That was one thing I pulled. Second is during the time that you were outreaching, you were still finding ways to provide value to others where it would actually help your education and even build your confidence and your competence in the fact that you could use ManyChat and you could use these chatbots to bring results for the customer. So the moment the customer was ready to say yes, you were ready to deliver as well. And I think that's kind of the difference between, you know, going up till September and giving up and then staying till October. And now you got your first client and you were ready. There's a quote, I don't know who uses this, but I hear it in seminar where people say like, if you're going out there and you're reaching out to people, what's the worst that could happen? And everybody says like, well, they'll say no. And then the flip is like, actually, they might say yes, and you're not prepared. And so I find that that need for preparation is so, so critical. And as far as a mindset, because there's almost a way that people prospect and do sales and they're like, I hope they don't pick up the phone because then I might have proof that I'm not ready for this. And so I love that story. I like the way that you showed up. Now, you've kind of hit a plateau as well in your business. And I kind of want to fast forward, maybe not so distant future, because here you are, you landed your first client. Now you started having more referrals are coming in. The clients are keeping you because you're bringing in results. But you found yourself at a kind of a revenue ceiling at some point. And I'd be curious to know what was going on there that made you feel so blocked and unpack that story for us. I think one of the things that slowed us down as an agency, so initially it was just me. I was building the chat boss. I was doing everything. Then I hired who is now my head of technology and he was doing the chat boss and I was just reaching out to clients and handling the strategy. And at some point we realized like we keep building this chat boss, but we don't have reporting behind it. We can't tell our clients exactly what's happening in the back end. And so we started testing out all sorts of ideas and it took us about two years to perfect what is now our mini SaaS, our tracking system in the back end that allows us to understand exactly how people buy. It's very interesting for our clients as well because they couldn't even imagine what makes them ultimately buy. And so we started working on that and I think we plateaued at about maybe 50K a month for a long, probably too long <laughs> to say so. Now, then I had another bot builder. And in 2020, in, during Black Friday, it was just the three of us. That Black Friday almost broke us. All three of us were doing 16-hour days, Monday to Sunday, around the clock. We had... Previous clients were coming back to us to do Black Friday with us and new clients just reaching out. And I was like, that's it. It's time to scale. And that's why we couldn't handle more than that was it. So in January, exactly one year ago, I started hiring and we're 10 now. And it looks like we're going to grow fairly fast. But at the same time, I broke that plateau after reading, and I'd known Alex Ramosi for a long time. It was just like, <laughs> I kept seeing him online and I resonated with a lot of the principles that he puts out. But I bought his $100 million offers in February, literally one year ago or March. And I was at 50K a month for, like I said, 
probably too long. But bought that book, changed my offer, also started the running Facebook ads. I hadn't done Facebook or paid traffic at all, at all at the same time. And then six months later, boom, 400K a month. And then from there, it's just, you know, got into other masterminds that I'm in right now and looking to take it to a million a month. Okay, so there's a couple of things. For one, I just want to highlight for everybody who isn't familiar with Alex Hormozzi, we'll put a link into the show notes. We've had him on the Selling with Love podcast before. You'll want to check out the episode that we had with Alex where he talks a lot about the concepts from his $100 million offer book. It's a fantastic thing for people trying to figure it out and trying to break the ceiling on how to get people to just really line up to buy your product in a significant way. And I'm so happy that you had this breakthrough. I'd be curious to know about your own role, how it transformed and how it changed because you went from just being a very small team, you're deploying chatbots or you're just doing the sales calls. Now you have a bigger team, your role's probably evolving. You're probably doing different things than you did at the beginning. And so was there anything surprising or radically different that you found yourself doing in your business now that you've scaled it to this level? I am finding something surprising as of this month, as of January 1st, we've actually changed the way that we run meetings internally. I feel like for too long, I was just trying to be across everything. Three meetings every day with my sales team, marketing team, with my fulfillment team. And I had a chat with Ty Lopez and he told me, you're doing too much. At this level already, if your team can't run without you, then you have a problem. You need a new team. <laughs> so I switched things up. I spoke to the team and I told them as of January, I was actually traveling most of January. I traveled through the States and I told them we are going to start having three meetings per week. And that's a Monday, on a Wednesday and on a Friday. In between, everybody lives in Slack anyway. And surprisingly, all of my account managers are killing it with their clients. Like I have such amazing people on my team. They're so autonomous, self-sufficient. If they need me, they tag me and everything works. <laughs> everything works really well at this point. We've implemented a fair bit of systems and we've, we've also simplified some systems, I feel like with, with some things we overcomplicated it and we just, we simplified things, but we kept everything as automated as possible and as simple in terms of SOPs, systems, alerts, all of that. So everything just works. Like I literally just live in Slack. I see in Slack everything that I need to, to know. My account managers, whenever they change the status or what they're working on, I get a Slack alert inside of a special channel. When clients book calls with them, I see the, the call book there. All of our ads lead to a Slack channel where I see all the booked calls. I have a team vetting, calling, qualifying, all of that. Everybody submits end of their reports. So it has been a long journey, but I've learned a lot from a lot of people. You know, Hormozy, Ty Lopez, Cole Gordon, I don't know if you're familiar with him. And I've just actioned. Even the free content that Alex and particularly Leila has put out, a lot of content that I've actioned like that with shout outs and employee recognition. I think all of that put together has brought us to where I only have three meetings a week with my team and it runs. It's so funny because it sounds like you're managing the business 
quite well. And so I want to tip my hat to you for that because that's not a competency that most people have naturally. But I'd just be curious to know, how do you feel that the work and experience you have in like designing you know, marketing systems with chatbots translated into your competencies around managing employees and scaling the business? Mm. I think one of my biggest, not limiting beliefs, but there are two things I'm always very self-aware. One is my accent. And for some reason, I've always felt the accent almost holds me back because, I don't know, when people hear an accent, they're like, hmm. Two, because I come from a cold culture, I've always been very mindful, with my team at least, very mindful of how I treat them, of how open I am to their problems, if they have something in their family, if... For example, every single one of my team members submits an end-of-day Slack report where they mention what they've worked on, what they're struggling with, you know, how they're going, and not just work-wise, but also physically, mentally, how they're handling. And I reply in that thread to everyone every single day, and I connect them. That's our, if nothing, throughout the day, that's our connection, where we go back and forth, I listen, I hear them. And so I feel like me being so aware that I come from a cold culture where it's almost, it's almost, is it black? It's either black or white. <laughs> and people are very blunt. And it's made me be probably better than I would have been otherwise in terms of team management. Hmm. Yeah, well, I love that you still have a very strong process orientation, even as you're dealing with, with humans. And I'm also a, an advocate of moving everything towards Slack. And I had my own share of disasters and, and frustrations when being an international company, we'd have WhatsApp as one of the communication, which is the absolute worst. You can't do business on WhatsApp. It's like, and you can't save anything. The voice notes don't have transcripts. So I'm definitely a big believer in bringing all the communication into a structured space. Slack being one of the great ones I also use and I'm very happy with. So it sounds like you have the right processes to scale. It sounds like you're even surrounding yourself with the right people and the right tools to guide you and give you that insight. And you're very action oriented. You spoke briefly about masterminds. I know I think you're getting yourself involved in some accelerator as well. So I'm curious to know how much do you actually invest or spend time looking externally for the trends in the market or for new thought leadership? And how does that impact your business? A lot. Sometimes I think too much because I'm a, I took a quiz. Ty Lopez gave me this quiz and I took a quiz, a personality quiz that assesses a few different things. One of them being how high of a risk taker are you? And so I scored quite high and I just take risks. Worst case scenario, what's going to happen? I lose the money, I learn a lesson. If you have the money, and for me at this point, I will always pay to save time and to learn as fast as possible from people who've been where I want to go. So I spend a lot, not just on masterminds, but definitely over six figures per year on masterminds and just paying for people's time. Probably in the last four years, I've paid so many people by the hour just to get on Zoom calls with me and answer my questions. And so I feel like that is the one thing that I will just continue investing in because I know that the person I am today is because 
And not everything has paid off. Like <laughs> there have been things or courses that I've taken that were not worth the money. But that is also experience. It is all adding up to what I know. And I would recommend to anybody who's looking, if anybody has, I don't know, 1K, 5K available, do not start a business <laughs> with, with 1K. Go and buy a course. Get some more education around that. As for myself, I know that this is something that might be uh, maybe controversial. I don't know if that's even the case, but I find that there's maybe a bit too much of a, uh, you need to be an entrepreneur or you're a failure in the circles that I'm in. And I find that a lot of the education actually comes from the work and the jobs that you can take on where you're earning income and learning while getting paid, as opposed to having to pay to learn, which I do think paying to learn actually brings you results faster. But if you don't have a nest egg, you don't have the security, then you don't have the risk for or appetite for any kind of risk, which is mandatory if you're going into business. And I think that keeps a lot of people very stuck because if you're holding on to the dollar, you can't create an ecosystem where money flows because you're stopping the flow even with the way that you have such little access to resources so i'm a big advocate of recommending people like find a job that will actually design your skills to be better i love the initiatives you've taken to work within agencies to develop that skill and then having enough of a cushion to being like okay now that i have that i can invest and it pays dividends and it flows and that to me is just the kind of next steps that people have to take and you know liz i, I really really appreciate the conversation we're having because although i i brought you in because i know of the skills and the amazingness you've created into chatbots and i want everybody who's maybe curious into that i'm going to put a link in the show notes so you can learn more about what liz's work in chatbox can do if it's something that you're curious for definitely look it up and see if it can apply for you as well but i also appreciate your journey as an entrepreneur and the lessons that come from a sales perspective, a management perspective, and a marketing perspective that allows people to see what can the journey look like, where I see a lot of effort up front to just do the work, to just make the calls, get the connections, be persistent, have that attitude, and have this kind of value to offer to people that you've seen work and have that confidence that if it worked for others, it can work for me as well, and pursuing that aggressively. I see a lot of people maybe giving up too early. And I find that unfortunate because if you're sitting on something of high value, you just need to be in front of enough people. And if you're going to convert at 1%, you need to be having hundreds of conversations for a result to happen. So I really, really love that. I love the journey you're on. I'm excited for what's coming up. I know you're going into an accelerator, which is going to maybe take that half a million to get beyond to the million a month. And so I know you're just at the beginning, but there's something I do want to ask every guest that comes on my show. And I want to ask you as well, what does selling with love mean to you? Exactly what I do with the chatbots, creating a personal connection and leading with value. I'm a strong believer that when you lead with some form, and I'm not saying this because of Alex Ramosi, I know that's what he always says and his last book talks about this, but I've seen this firsthand. When you want to sell something, whatever it is, whether it's a physical product, a course, a mastermind, when you've led with some form of value and created a connection with that lead, user, follower, it doesn't matter what it is, the selling will truly be with love and will be at a higher rate than if you were just putting an ad in front of something, somebody saying, buy my stuff. That's how I see it. I love it. 
Luziana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with Luziana, I do want to add the fact that she's generated over $30 million in sales using Chatbot. There's probably a few sales you could do as well. So if you are in the business, go check that out. And honestly, it's been such a pleasure to have this conversation. And I can't wait to see more people be able to effectively use Chatbots in a way that brings them results, does it ethically, and can look into their own journey as entrepreneurs, regardless of the industry that they're in. So thank you once again for coming on the show. And for everybody else, go out there perhaps with a chatbot, and of course, sell with love. Thank you, Jason. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.